if I could go back in time, I would have started investing my money at 18 years old or when I started, you know, earning money for the first time. But I didn't know. I, I only knew about saving. I didn't know about investing. And it's so interesting. Like, had I known what I know now, goodness, where would I be? You know, if I started investing even just like $100 a month at 18 or even 25 and stuff like that. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by PlanWell, BeWell. PlanWell, BeWell is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. Today, I am joined by Jessica Morehouse. Jessica is a sought-after millennial money expert, accredited financial counselor uh, in Canada, a media personality, and the host of a popular More Money podcast. Jessica was nice enough to recently have me on as a guest, and we got to know each other a little bit, and I thought, why not share her expertise and insight with my listening audience? So welcome, Jessica. I'm really excited you're here today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so there's so much more to say about you and, <laughs> and the work that you've done. But, but one thing is for sure, you are passionate about financial literacy and financial mm -hmm. education. Tell us a little bit yeah. more about why that is. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, something I wouldn't have predicted when I was uh, you know younger. Think about what kind of career I wanted to do. I, I honestly thought that you know I went to university to study film, and I thought I was going to have a career in film as an editor. But then once I you know like many millennials graduated university in two thousand nine, uh, so the height of the recession, there was a uh, mass unemployment, and just it, it kind of made me rethink everything, <laughs> including my choice of career, and so. So I basically kind of took a left turn and just got a regular office job so I could just start making some income, eventually move out of my parents' basement. And uh, during that time, I also realized I had no financial literacy, uh, pretty much. Um, I, I, I had some really good habits that I, I got just, you know, from observing my mom as the money manager of her family. But otherwise, I really didn't know anything. I didn't know the difference between a checking and a savings account. And so I, from kind of recommendations from my older sister, who's three years older, she started reading some personal finance blogs just because she wanted to learn this stuff too. And uh, had some book recommendations. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll like, you know, I just literally thought I was going to do a little research and then go off on my way and never kind of revisit. But 
I thought it was so fascinating that, and this is now going back, you know, going back like 11 years, it was so fascinating that people were writing about their personal finance journeys, how much money they were earning and spending what their net worth was. I'm like, people are talking about this. No one talks about money. Like, you know, it's a very interesting subject. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing. And then reading books too, that basically said, if you do some of these best practices, you can improve your financial life. And from someone like me who grew up in a, you know, lower middle-class family, we always had enough, but not anything extra. There was always, you know, friends around that had more. I always just thought, well, that's, you know, how I was raised and that's how I'm going to continue to live as an adult to, to realize that that, you know, just because that's how I was raised or that's what my present situation was, that that does not have to be my future. I thought that was so powerful and exciting, the idea that I could have a more financially stable life or a wealthier life. And I didn't have to like win the lottery or, you know, go in a totally different career path and and become a doctor or something like that. I'm like, well, this sounds pretty cool. And so I started applying some of this in my own life, started my own blog to kind of document what I've been learning in my own journey. And it was something that I'd always just did on the side for a good five or six years. Then I, you know, started my podcast. And then eventually I got to a point five years ago in my day job. And I'm like, well, I'm going to leave. I'm going to maybe move to another company or I guess another option, because I just turned 30 and a little bit of a quarter life crisis, I could just quit my job and try to make this thing on the side, my full-time job. Let's just, what, you know, what's the worst that can happen if it doesn't work out, I can get another job. And so I did that and, uh, things have worked out really great. I've been able to expand my business and, uh, I'm thriving and really like it. And, and this really, I, you know, in a weird way discovered my passion over a decade ago, I just didn't really realize it was more than a hobby. It was like, no, this is your like your mission. I think this is your purpose. That is so awesome. You know, I was just discussing with somebody else the idea that around twenty nine thirty is when people tend to start to realize what their life passion is. And some of mm-hmm. us fall into it, and some of us discover it. In fact, when I did a major transition and um, started to really understand my interest in psychology, and then it was a little bit later with money and psychology, it really happened around 3031. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting pivotal time and, and oh, great huge. that it's really worked <laughs> worked yeah. out for you. Now, yeah. you describe growing up in a family that you didn't talk about money much, mm-hmm. and you were surprised that you could do better. But now that you've worked on your relationship with money, you obviously spend a lot of time talking to other people about money. Mm-hmm. What are the three words you would describe, use, excuse me, to describe mm-hmm. your relationship with money? Mm. It's a complicated relationship, I will say. <laughs> um, it's definitely evolved. I think before, you know, maybe this time, like when I was just starting out, I'd say words that I would use to describe my relationship with money would include you know, maybe things that I aspire to or, or, or wanted. I wanted stability. I wanted freedom. I guess just, you know, some certainty because, you know, when you don't have money or you don't know when it's going to come, there's a lot of uncertainty. And I felt like there was a little bit of that growing up. My parents did the the best they could hiding some of those things and shielding us from some of those things. But there were 
you know, definitely times where my mom, you know, didn't earn, I mean, she's never really earned a lot in her profession because she started her career late. She, she rose, uh, raised me and my two sisters. And there's a, you know, a time that was really burned into my brain when my dad, he worked for a news station, they were on strike and that was, that made it, that Ooh, was a big scary. impact on me. It was very scary. And so money, even though we never really talked about it, it was always very present. We always knew what does it look like when you don't have it? What's it look like when you do have it? And um, for me, I think that the biggest thing that I realized as I became an adult was I didn't want to repeat what my parents, like my parents did an amazing job. And also they came from lower income families and, and generationally. So it's, 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 it's very much our mindsets were crafted, you know, it goes very deep and generationally. And so, you know, my I had a podcast interview, one of the, you know, first years of my podcast, I interviewed my grandpa before he passed and it was such an amazing moment because he really shared his life story. And I had no idea the struggles that he did. He really came from poverty. He had like, oh gosh, I don't know, 15 siblings. They lived on a farm. His father was terrible at business and just his journey to kind of get out of poverty and to make a living and to start his own family. But so I'm like, I could not do that. Like that just sounds incredible. I don't know. And, and that's, you know, the same for, for both of, uh, you know, sides of my family. And so I think there is this thing that I have always tried to, uh, break out or, or, or evolve out of is this, this scarcity mindset that we're always going to run out of money. And I've talked to my mom about this and other people in my family. It's like, we all have this. Mm. And that was a big thing. When I started learning about this, I just, it was a fearful fear is definitely a word that would come to mind when I thought about money. Now that it's been you know, 10 years later, and I have so much more knowledge about this. And I've talked to so many people over the years. I don't feel fear when it comes to money. I actually think of it in a more positive light. I think of opportunity, um, possible abundance and mm -hmm. safety, which is really great. So it is just kind of uh, just to, to show you that no matter where you start or where your mindset is, you can work at shifting it. Oh, absolutely. And I just want to comment, having that conversation with your grandfather before he passed must have been so mm -hmm. priceless to be able to really hear it. Because those are some of the things I encourage people to do, like talk mm -hmm. to the people in your life about money. And it may just be sharing a story and how it relates to money. It doesn't always have to be about the dollars and cents. And mm -hmm. so for you, it sounds like you went from that fearful mindset that was in some ways passed down generation to generation. Mm -hmm. In my senses, part of it was probably on target for the younger generations, yeah. or the, excuse me, the earlier generations. And so now that you're in more of an abundance, mm -hmm. although I love that you're noting that money relationships are still complex, yeah. no matter where you're at, <laughs> I would agree there. What do you think the things or the advice you would give yourself if you were could sit down with yourself at 20, 21 mm -hmm. and talk to that younger Jessica? What would you mm -hmm. say about money to her? One of the things that I wish I took more time in learning earlier and applying was the idea of like wealth generation, building wealth, investing. And I think part of it was at the time when you were looking, yeah, although there were lots of, you know, books and free information online about, you know, any kind of topic under the sun of uh, personal finance, I did feel like, and I, I tell people this all the time, when I was just starting out and started my blog and reading blogs, I saw this big divide. Women were talking about frugality, couponing, budgeting, and debt. If you want to learn about wealth or investing, 
men were talking about that. Not that that's a bad thing, but as a woman, sometimes I felt like I couldn't really understand them. They were using a different language or tone that I was used to. I didn't feel like I was welcome. I, it just, it, I couldn't find someone like me talking about it. And you know, sometimes when you're like, Oh, I wish someone would, would do that. And then you realize, Oh, that's me. I need to do that. I need to be that person for other women who feel like I can't really identify with this person. I like the information that they're saying. It's just, it's not connecting with me. And so for me, it did take a lot longer really up until my late twenties to take advantage of, okay, like maybe it means taking some traditional courses. It means stepping outside of that, that fear of the unknown. Cause really, I, I really hated that, uh, that feeling of imposter syndrome. Like I know I don't know a lot and I know I can learn it, but I'm afraid someone will find out that I don't know what I don't know. And, uh, but then I am like, you know what, the only way to get rid of this fear of being, you know, someone think, oh, you, you said that wrong, or you don't know anything about investing. It's like, then you have to take the time you have to invest in yourself and, and, and learn this stuff. And that's what I, what I did. And it was very uncomfortable for that for a few years, really learning this stuff. But then you get to the other side of it, you realize it's actually not as complicated as most people say. And then I realized I can be that voice for other people, making it less intimidating because the one regret I have is I wish if I could go back in time, I would have started investing my money at 18 years old or when he started, you know, earning money for the first time. But I didn't know. I, I only knew about saving. I didn't know about investing. And it's so interesting. Like, had I known what I know now, goodness, where would I be? You know, if I started investing even just like $100 a month at 18 or even 25 and stuff like that. So that's so one I of my two, biggest regrets. <laughs> well, I hear I hear two pieces of, of kind of advice in there. Mm. One is invest as early as possible. The mm. other is it's okay to be uncomfortable yeah. and learn a little bit. And I think- You're always gonna you know, be uncomfortable when you're learning something new, right? Right, and taking that risk. What is interesting, and I think it's the same in Canada, but correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. uh, in the US, there's not many school systems that require personal finance to graduate. Yeah, and is that similar mm -hmm. in Canada? Yeah, there's no, that's, that's the hair I think often from uh, adults is uh, they don't teach this in schools. They're starting to integrate that into the curriculum, not as, I, you know, it, it depends on the, you know, province and municipality and, and how they're rolling it out and what the curriculum actually is and at what age. Um, but yeah, in school, we, I was never taught there was not one course or any or one lesson, even in a math class about finance or balancing a checkbook or, or budgeting. I learned all of that after I finished university and was Googling it. Like how frustrating Which is, is that? crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely crazy. And I know both yeah. you and I want to change that by having yeah. these conversations and breaking money silence. Let's take a short break. You know that negotiating your fees and getting paid what you're worth is emotional business. And I know how to help you become a rock star negotiator. So I am offering an exclusive group experience, a masterclass on negotiating for a hand-selected group of businesswomen. So if you're highly motivated, career-driven, and ready to take a deep dive into your money story and learn how to shift sabotaging beliefs so you can earn more, then this masterclass is for you. I'm taking applications now and space is limited to eight kick-ass women. You're gonna get individual and group coaching, both facilitated by me, as well as video lessons, handouts, and a bunch of bonuses to help you become the rock star negotiator I know you are. So check it out at breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass and register today. Let's get back to the episode. 
And so because I just talked about the differences or maybe more of a similarity between Canada and the U.S. Mm -hmm. in terms of education around personal finance, when you think about millennials and you mm -hmm. think about millennials who are Canadian versus millennials that are from the United States, mm -hmm. do you see any differences or similarities or, or mm -hmm. is, a, is somebody from that generation to somebody from that generation? <laughs> No, there's definitely some um, differences and similarities. One thing that I find, especially as, you know, I've been doing this for for a decade in writing and, and talking about, but also I know a lot of people in the, the personal finance community um, from the US and also I pretty much know everybody in Canada because it's not as big of a, a place as most people think, um, which is kind of great because then you get to know everybody. But it's fascinating to see yeah, some of the different mindsets and and kind of thoughts uh, about things. So one thing that I'm grateful for with all my friendships of uh, people in the U.S. is they're very much more, I'd say, risk takers. They love taking opportunities. There is a bit more of an entrepreneurial spirit compared to in Canada. Not to say that we don't have that, but there's definitely there's definitely a difference I've seen. And so for me, when I want to get some motivation or, or break out, you know, do something different, learn something new, I really do. I, you know, I'm part of a mastermind and everyone's American and I get so much out of them from that. So there's definitely, I feel like a little bit more of an opportunistic or abundance mindset um, when it comes to talking about money in the U.S. compared to Canada. I wonder too, if that sometimes has to do with just how our countries are structured and, and like things like, we do have some kind of safety nets here in Canada, like healthcare. We don't, that is not a, a finance, a financial cost that we really have to worry about. There's some things that obviously aren't covered, but in general, that is, a, you know, something that we don't have to worry about. Whereas in the U S that is something that you do have to pay yes, for. You have to worry about a lot. Right. And so that is something that you need to financially prepare for, save up for. And maybe that's where it kind of get that driver to be like, okay, we need to figure out how to make more money or how to cut back or something like that. So that's, that's, I'd say a big difference that uh, I see, but I'd say like a big similarity is that we all want to figure out how can we live a better financial life than our parents and grandparents. That's what I see across the board is we want to have a, a more financially stable life. And also because we're in this age of information, it's never been easier to find the information you want for free uh, online. There's kind of no excuse. Back in the day, there was an excuse that information wasn't that accessible. And now you really can start from ground zero, no knowledge of this, start reading some online posts or listen to podcasts or watch YouTube. Like there's so many avenues that you can take. So there's kind of no excuse not to learn this besides maybe some of your own kind of personal hangups or psych psychological barriers and things like that. So I do see there's more of a hunger to learn this stuff so we can apply it. And that's kind of the exciting thing too, seeing this in, in just like the past, you know, from, from how things were a decade ago to now, when I was starting to learn about this stuff 10 years ago, no one was talking about this. No one, it was a very niche. It was very kind of like, Oh no, no one talks about this. Now a lot more people are, are talking about this. Um, and it's not so niche or like a, a very specialized thing, which is exciting to see. It is exciting to see. And you know, one of the things you mentioned was regret. And I'm going to reframe it as you just learned a lesson when you yeah. look back. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and exactly. so for someone who's who's listening in today, Jessica, who's identifying with your story or saying, yeah, you know, I have a financial regret as well. What mm -hmm. advice would you give them about moving forward? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, no one really likes the word regret, but I'm like, that is what, if I can go back in time, I would, I would do something different. But, uh, I guess I was at the end of the day though, I think 
we all need to recognize that we did the best that we could with the information we had at the time. Right. So it's like, I couldn't have made a different decision because I didn't have that information. I didn't know any better. Right. So it, you know, what can you do? But I guess what you can do is, is recognize it is a lesson. So you have learned something and then how can you either make better decisions for yourself going forward. Or what I like to also do is like, how can I then help someone else not make that same mistake? So that could be it a family so member. It is so interesting. I have to jump in. I yeah. have to jump in because you and I have a similar similarity that way. Yeah. Now I have a financial background from when I was in college mm-hmm. and then went a totally different direction into mm-hmm. counseling psychology, loved the psychology piece, and then you know ended up back here. But what is what I think is similar is I ended back here because of a traumatic situation around mm. money in my life. And so for you, it, it's like you want to take what you didn't know and give mm-hmm. that gift to your audiences. Mm-hmm. And I want to do the same. And I yeah. think that's a, a lot of the people who are in money psychology or in, in personal finance nowadays want to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so the last question before I ask you where <laughs> people can find out more about you is, I really am curious if somebody is listening in and they go, I know there's podcasts, I know there's Mm -hmm. blogs, I know there's all these books, but there's so much information coming at me. How did you prioritize reading about finance or making Mm -hmm. this a priority in your life? Because I know Mm -hmm. even now, I was going to say in my younger years, like somehow I'm so wise. (laughs) Now, sometimes I think, oh, I could read that book about finance or I could go for a mountain bike or drink some wine with some girlfriends. So how do you (laughs) prioritize it? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like in my early years, it really just was, I read this one book. It's, it's one of the historically most popular personal finance books in Canada called the wealthy barber. And that's kind of like everyone's gateway book. Uh, and I read that and it, it just opened the doors and you're like, Whoa, I had no idea. Cause it's a book that's written as a, a fiction and, and just, it kind of describes all of these, you know, you know, great things you can do with your money. And it's just like, I never thought of things like that. And so that's what got me excited. And then it's really about trying either figuring out what medium really connects with you at the time there really wasn't a ton. So I went to blogs cause you can read that on your lunch break or whatever. So I just kind of did that in my free time. And then specifically figure out what medium and then figure out what tone of voice are you looking for or who is someone you can connect to? So for me, there was a lot of bloggers I read often because I connected with their story. I liked their tone of voice. I liked um, just how they described things or they just really explained things in the right way. And, and one thing I hear from my audience, which I, I'm so grateful for, I'm like, oh, good. That's exactly what I'm trying to do is like you translate things into a way that makes sense to me. Because I think a big barrier is you pick up a book that people are like, oh, this is a great book, especially when it comes to investing. There's a lot of jargon and there's a lot of books that are pretty comprehensive and maybe complex. You pick up any book and you're like, I don't get it. And that can kind of stop you in your tracks. You're like, oh, maybe I'm too stupid for this. I I can't. And and then you don't. And so it's really important to find people that, you know, it just clicks. Like one of the other books that really did that for me, especially when it comes to investing was this book also written by a Canadian called uh, called a millionaire teacher. It's it's for it's not just for Canadians. It just happens to be Canadian. It was the first book I read on investing that it just like it just clicked. Something snapped. Light bulb moment. And I'm like, whoa, he's finally explaining in a way that really really gets me. If you're reading something or consuming a piece of content and you're like, it's just, I just don't get it. Move on to the next one to find someone who does get you and you can identify with. 
Well, and you raise a good point about all the information. The advantage of all the information is you can find a voice that speaks to you. Yes. And I truly believe finance can be fun. It doesn't have to mm -hmm. be boring and you don't have to be lectured. And so I love what you're up to. Thank you so much for these book recommendations. I will put them in our show notes, Jessica. And so tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. And also, I know you do have a course and some resources that they might want to hear about. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. So, um, of course, like my main channel is, uh, my podcast, the more money podcast, where I've been doing it for six years, almost at 300 episodes. And we really talk about anything under the sun when it comes to personal finance. I also have a YouTube channel that is more kind of instructional, kind of, uh, you know, really talking about a specific topic and giving you information. And of course I've got my blog on jessicamorehouse.com. So my whole brand is just under my name, Jessica Morehouse. And, um, because I get so many great questions and, you know, I just want to help people. I have a free resource library on my website that has budget spreadsheets, checklists, so many great things. And if you are Canadian listening, I do have a specific investing course for Canadians because it was great also before, like, you know, again, decade ago, no one had an online course about you know, right. how to do things. Yeah. So many people have online courses, which is great. But I did feel like, oh, there's a bit of a, a, a lack of Canadian specific information um, because it is different here it in Canada. It is different. Yeah. So I created one specifically for Canadians since I'm Canadian. Um, and it's all about, uh, yeah, building wealth and investing for the long term. And it's called Wealth Building Blueprint for Canadians. That is the name of it. You can find it on my website. <laughs> Excellent. I will put a link to that as well. And uh, I really do appreciate your time, your expertise. I'm so glad that you found your passion. And so thank you so much for breaking money silence with me today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. This episode is sponsored by Plan Well, Be Well. Plan Well, Be Well is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.